to number nine. I don't got many minutes, so we got to get this thing rolling. Daniel nine. I want to preach to you just a little while on Daniel's recipe for revival. Now, Daniel had a recipe. Can everybody follow a recipe? I can't cook much, but I can follow directions. Daniel gave us some directions for revival right here in the scriptures. Uh, First of all, friends, uh, I want you to know tonight, uh, revival starts uh, when we have a great conviction and we have repentance on the part of Christian brethren. See, see, that's how revival starts. Uh, We got to have conviction uh, of sin in our lives. Amen. Of sins, of lacking of what we're doing for God. Hey, hey, amen. Amen. Uh, Look at verse number three tonight. Uh, This is Daniel's recipe for revival. He says in verse number three, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Uh, Number one tonight, church, uh, if we want true revival, uh, we got to look toward God. Amen. Daniel here in the scriptures, uh, Daniel saw a problem. Uh, He saw a problem and he decided something had to be done about the problem. Well, let me tell you something. I see a problem that's going on worldwide. Uh, When are we going to step up, church? Uh, Because something's got to be done about the problem. Amen. Hey, Hey, I see churches falling apart every day. Hey, I I see Christians letting down on God every day. I see them walking away and quitting. My friend, there's a problem. Hey, we got to set our face toward God. Uh, He said he set his face toward God with prayer, supplications, fasting. Uh, My friends, if my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and return from their wicked. I'll heal the land. That's what he said he'll do. If we'll turn, church, we need to seek the one who can change things. Hey, we need to seek the one who can make a difference in the world. Hey, Washington's not going to do a thing for us. Uh, hey, Dr. Phil, you can count Dr. Phil out. Uh, he's not going to help you. You might as well cut off Oprah. She's not going to. But you need to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that can do something for us. He said, seek the Lord. Not only did he seek him, but he said he had to make a commitment. He had to make a sacrifice. Church, we need to seek God. Oh, that's good. We need to make a commitment to God. And we got to be willing to sacrifice some things for God. Oh, Lord, He sacrificed everything for us. And we need to sacrifice for Him. Praise His name. Uh, Number two, true revival. If you read verses 4 through 15, which I cannot do that. No way I can do it. But I'm going to give you a little summarization. He said, and he said, I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. Verse 5, beginning of that verse, he said, We have sinned and have committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. Church, we all know Daniel was a godly man. Hey, Daniel was a... When Daniel was 15, maybe 16 years old, he told the king... I'm not eating your meat. I'm not going to defile myself and sin against my God. Hey, he wasn't a 15-year-old boy. Yeah. And he was willing to stand up and say, I'm not going to sin against my God. Yeah. 
Hey, we know Daniel was a godly man. Hey, yes, sir. In chapter number six, uh, when they told Daniel he can't pray no more, they said, Daniel, you can't pray to your God no more. What Daniel do three times a day? He went out, set toward Jerusalem, and he prayed. Hey, he prayed. They said, Daniel, we're going to throw you in the den. Daniel didn't care. Daniel said, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. And, and the Bible says that the, the Lord shut the mouth up of the lion. Hey, Amen. Hey, Daniel was a godly man. He didn't care. He made a commitment with God. Church, if we want true God-sent revival, uh, you and I need to confess just as Daniel did. Yeah, what are you saying, preacher? Uh, Church, we need to quit worrying so much about what everybody else is doing. We need to start worrying about what we're doing. Amen? Hey, we need to quit pointing fingers at this sin and that sin. We need to worry about our own sin. Amen? Hey, don't tell me you're perfect. Don't, Lord, don't tell me you're perfect. Don't tell me. Daniel, 15. Bless God. He, church, sum this up. Judgment starts at the house of God. Hey, church, you and I, we can't fix a thing when we're already broken. Yes, sir. Hey, if you want to fix something, you got to be fixed yourself. We need to get around our old-fashioned altar. Hey, it would do us all good tonight to get around the altar, cry out to God, say, God, please heal the land. I confess I'm a sinner. I need some help. Please, God. Number three, and I'm I'm done. We We need to plead for God's mercy. The last of that chapter, 16 through 19, you'll find Daniel, and he's pleading. He's pleading. God. God. Oh, Lord, he says. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, hearken and do. Daniel was pleads for God to turn his anger away from Jerusalem. Church, our country's in a mess. Our country's in a mess. It would do good for Christian brethren and sisters to to get around the old altar and plead with God. One more time, God, send revival to our country. God, one more time, send revival to our churches. Please, God, please. Church, if if we're ever going to make a difference, we're going to have to look toward God We're going to have to confess our sins. And we're going to have to ask God from a merciful heart. Lord, please. Lord, please send revival. God bless you. I'm going to say, uh, I appreciate my pastor. He's a... I just love him to death. I'm saved under his ministry and... uh, Boy, he's at the... You know, a lot of people get mad when their pastor's hard on them. And uh, a lot of them get mad and even quit. Bless God, go somewhere else. Uh, Let me tell you something. When your pastor's hard on you, that's a good thing. That that means he's trying to keep you from wandering off. And, uh, boy, I thank God for my pastor. At times I thought he was being the hardest... He's he's harder on me than anybody. 
But I know he was just trying to keep me straight. And What's I, his name? Todd Black. Uh, Amen. <laughs> Amen. Damon, that's a good job, buddy. Wonderful job. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I want to use this as a simple thought tonight real quickly. If you'll listen fast, I'll preach fast. My seven minutes will be over and we'll shout in the Lord for a while. Amen. I want to use this as a thought when the roll is called up yonder. First of all, the song says, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. John chapter 14 verses 1 through 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. I don't know about you, but thank God for January 3 of 1993 uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ blowed out the gable into my heart and soul uh, and convicted me a sinner and I ran to an old-fashioned altar of prayer and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save my soul. Uh, thank God when the roll is called up yonder, I'm going to be there. That, that place called heaven, it's going to be a perfect place. There's not going to be no hospitals. Uh, there's not going to even be any funeral directors uh, that you're going to have to watch shut that coffin door uh, up there in that city. Thanks be unto God, the Bible says Jesus Christ is going to be the only light uh, that we'll ever need. Uh, and I don't know about you, but that gets me a little bit excited tonight. Amen. Uh, hey, listen, I'm telling you about a perfect place tonight. Uh, a perfect place called heaven. It's going to be a permanent place. Oh, Paul said over there in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. I'm looking for a city, amen, whose builder and maker is God that's beyond compare. Thank God you're not going to compare anything to that city called heaven. Hey, listen, don't sit there like a deal pickle. Just shout it out a little while, amen. Listen, we're going to a place uh, that we ought to be excited about. It is revival time, isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. Heaven's going to be a permanent place. Heaven's going to be a, a pretty place. Nothing's going to compare to the matchless beauty in that city. Amen. Uh, heaven's going to be a populated place. Uh, a place where all the saints of all the ages are going to be gathered together. Boy, isn't it going to be good uh, to sit down with the Apostle Paul uh, and just ask him, what was it, Paul, uh, that you and Silas were singing uh, that made that old jailhouse rock? Amen. Hey, listen, I'm here to tell you, heaven is a wonderful place, a pretty place, a populated place, but thank God it's a prepared place. A prepared place for a prepared people. Amos 4.12 says, prepare to meet thy God. There's a lot of folks living in this world today that think that they're going to just go walk up in the glory land without a bit of salvation. Without one drop of blood that covers sin. 
Thank God Joey went to the old rugged cross. Uh, he shed every drop of blood that he had uh, to where I can have salvation. Amen. Uh, to where I can have it uh, full and free. Uh, you better be prepared. Amen. Uh, listen, uh, don't you have a pompous attitude standing before God? Uh, don't have it standing before others because He'll bring you down the side. Amen. Listen, I'm going to a prepared place. Amen. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. But number two, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be thrilled. Oh, boy, we're going to leave this old world kid up behind. Amen. We're going to a place uh, where we'll have perfect bodies. Uh, there'll be no more aches. Uh, there'll be no more pains. Uh, thank God I'm going to a land. Amen. Going to a city. I'm going to be thrilled. I'm thrilled tonight to know that I'm saved and going to that city uh, that is prepared for me. Amen. Listen, I know tonight without a shadow of a doubt I got no soul salvation. Amen. Yes, sir. I'm going to a city. Amen. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be thrilled. Boy, I just keep pondering this scripture in my mind that we read to you. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds uh, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh boy. What if we just get up in the morning, roll yourself out of bed, start looking toward the eastern sky, and all of a sudden, that's the Lord Jesus Christ splits the eastern skies, and all of a sudden, you hear a horn blowing. Hey, listen! We got to take off and get out of here, amen! Hey, you better get loose on this trip and take it on to glory, amen! Amen! Listen... Scared y'all half to death. I'm going to be thrilled. Hey, don't get scared of the shout. Amen. Don't get scared of the horn that's going to blow. That's our signal. We're going to lose that gravitational pull. That mic's in four different pieces. I don't know what in the world we're going to do. <laughs> Fix it, Joe. Call time out. I got one more point. And I ain't got no microphone. I, I, I'll do this. I'll do this. When the roll's called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be thrilled. When the roll's called up yonder, praise God, I'll be through. I thank the Lord tonight for Pastor Mitch Edge. Let let me say this right quick about all these men. This isn't a preaching competition. No. I respect and love each and every one of these men tonight. I am glad that we can come together in a service like this with these men. Men that have been in the fire. Men that have been on the front line. 
There's not a jealous bone in one of these men's bodies and mine neither. I'd be glad to hand this pulpit over to them at any time to preach the Word. And I love them in Christ. Pastor Mitch Edge got a compliment the other day. And uh, we were out, had the evangelists out for supper. And uh, we were sitting around, that was actually, it was lunch, and we were sitting around the dinner table. And uh, the ladies were giving praise to our church about the workers and the parking. And we had people parking cars, and we've had people, as soon as service is over, they're in here vacuuming up, getting ready for tomorrow night, and changing out, you know, whatever needs to be changed out. And they're doing just a wonderful job, and you'd be commended on it, church. And that lady was commended and said, boy, that church has standards. I said, well, thank you, ma'am. We, we try our best to have some high standards. And uh, Brother Bob McCurry, and you know how he talks. He looked around. He said, huh, Brother Todd's liberal compared to Mitch Edge. <laughs> Brother Mitch told this boy, he said, he started telling the story Brother Bob did. He said, there's this one boy over at Parkway. Every time they had a project, he'd leave. Every time they tried to take up the money to do a project, he'd leave. They wanted to put down new carpet. They wanted to put down, put, repad the pews. And he took off, didn't help them, didn't help pay for it or nothing. Then when they got done, he come walking in and the preacher met him at the door. You ain't walking on my new carpet. You ain't walking on my new pews. <laughs> You rascal, you, you run out every time we get ready to do something around here. Come on, preacher, get horned today. Hang on, throw him right in the fire. I want him to have a minute to get that thing on. Hey, Amen. Is anybody, TC, can I borrow your oxygen bottle? Make welcome Pastor Mitch Edge Parkway through Well, I'm glad Mercy's walked in, amen? Mercy walked in some 24 years ago for my life. Acts chapter 13, verse 21, verse 22. And afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up them, David, to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill my will. Listen, revival is always a very exciting time. And I appreciate uh, revivals. I appreciate the man of God that will come and preach uh, revivals, but the truth is revival begins with you. Yeah. Amen. It doesn't begin with the uh, evangelist that's coming. It doesn't begin with the singers that are coming. It doesn't uh, begin with any other thing but you and God tonight. Amen. Yeah. We appreciate the revivalists and we appreciate the good singers, but revival starts when our heart has priorities. Amen. And our heart is right with God. Listen, this country does need revival, but I realize when I look out and feel just like these other pastors and preachers feel tonight, our churches are in a mess. And listen, we don't need a soul-stirring revival. We need a heart-stirring revival. Amen? And we don't need a series of 
of meetings and messages. We need to get serious with the meeting. Amen? And serious with the message of God. Amen? Not this wimpy stuff that we hear all the time and not this or not that, but a heart that is ready and right for a coming King. Amen? Revival is to wake us out of our sleep. Our latent faith, it's been asleep. It's been hiding under the pew somewhere. Listen, we need to have a faith that, that God can look down and say, listen, I am pleased with the, that church. Amen? Amen? I'm pleased with that man, that woman, that child. Listen, I'm talking about a heart that loves God. Amen? Not carrying a lot of feelings on our shoulders. But a heart that really loves God. And we really want to see our country go for God. And we really want to see our church go for the Lord. Listen, here we see a man that was after God's own heart. Let me share just a few things with you and I'll be done in 30 minutes. <laughs> Number one, make it your heart priority to have a personal relationship with God. Amen? I'm not talking about the church, the series of meetings, but a personal relationship with God. That God, I have surrendered my life to You. God, I have surrendered my heart to live for You. Listen, there's churches on every corner. But have you made it personal with God? We're in, we're out, we're up, we're down. We ought to get right, get saved, live for God, live right, do right, follow right, serve right, give right, go right, say right, love right, fellowship right. Amen? All the right reasons to have a personal relationship with God. Not because I got in trouble. Right. Not because I made the wife mad she's packing the bags. Yeah. Not because the economy and not because gas is $3.80 a gallon. Preacher, what in the world are we going to do? Listen, we ought to get right with God. Yeah. A continuous right with God. Listen, we got pews that are open here tonight. This place ought to be packed with all the churches. Your church and, and my church. We don't Listen, we got our priorities all wrong uh, today. Ball comes before God now. Make it number two, make it your heart priority to trust God. Trust Him with your troubles. Trust Him with your trials. And trust Him with your treasures. Amen. Trust shows our true leadership. Our true leadership as men of God. And I'm telling you, listen, we ought to have some men back in the church. Amen. Our men back in the church that will lead in the home, that will trust God. Amen. And we have our families. Listen, I believe our families are looking to our leadership uh, today. David trusted God no matter what his hardship was. Listen, David was faced with his giant, a nine-foot giant. But he was a man that was after God's heart. And he trusts God. Thirdly, make it your heart priority to have a strong and passionate desire to obey God. Just to obey God. Amen. Just obey God. Love motivates us to obey God. Overwhelming love motivates us to obey God. His will, His way, and His Word. And we ought to submit wholly to God. Amen? Submit everything to God. Well, I appreciate the message last night that Brother Bob preached. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. A passionate desire. You have a passionate desire to follow God. Is it a priority in your life? Salvation is the greatest priority. 
then after that comes the will of God and the Word of God. That we're following God's will. Not our will, but God's will for your life. Make it your heart priority. Demonstrate a spirit of humility. Amen? Amen. Humility. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before others. Make it your priority. Demonstrate a spirit of servanthood. How many of you serving God tonight? Really serving God tonight? You're serving in your home. You're serving in your church. And you're serving in your uh, 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 community. That's your serving God, with your whole heart. God, I want you to have this heart. God, I know you saved me, but God, I want you to have this heart. And God, I want to serve you. Do you desire to mirror God's heart tonight? To be an influence on someone's life? Listen, there's great men that I still look up to Dave. Their influence is overpowering. Do you have that priority? Make it a priority. Love God. Live for God. Long for God. Make it a priority that I'm going to have a personal relationship with Christ. Amen? And revival begins with me. Getting my heart right with God. Getting it tight with God. God washing me. God, I surrender. When I say I surrender, God, I really surrender all. What do you stand with God? Set some priorities in your life. You know, we teach our children to set priorities The child of God should set some priorities in their life. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for this time. My pastor come as I'll introduce him. Brother, if you'll come. Let me say for uh, Brother Kenneth comes. Brother Kenneth Cash is my pastor, and I love him. Thank him for preaching the Word of God. For preaching uh, to this center, it was the preached word of God that uh, drew me to an old-fashioned altar, convicted my sins, confessed Christ, and I appreciate the man that has never compromised the word of God. Amen. You continue to pray uh, for Pastor Kenneth Cash. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. I'm here to tell you now. That's been some good preaching, has it not? Amen. I better get started here. They'll be flipping that light on over there. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 18. I'm just going to use one one verse so I can do the preaching. The Bible says, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Amen. Well, we're coming right into the middle of a conversation uh, between uh, Elijah and God Almighty. Yeah. Now, yeah. when you look at uh, this uh, man of God and you review uh, where he just left from and what brought this uh, scene about that we're looking at here, we're reminded of the fact that uh, he was a praying man. He just got done praying and fire came down from heaven just about two months uh, prior to this. Uh, he was a praying man. He was a man that had uh, a powerful influence. He was a man that had a purpose uh, in his life. But all of a sudden... Uh, we find him uh, standing outside of a cave that he had been huddled inside of, and and he's talking uh, 
to the Lord God, here we find Him down spiritually. Here we find Him dazed. Here we find Him defeated. Here we find Him depressed. Here we find Him disappointed and discouraged. Ready to throw in the of the towel, ready to wave the white flag of surrender. He was uh, had already said a couple of times, uh, Lord, if you'd just uh, uh, take me on out of this uh, world, boy, I, I'd sure appreciate it. Uh, and he, he says in verse 10 uh, and in verse 14, there ain't nobody here but me. There ain't nobody standing up for me. There ain't nobody uh, telling the story uh, but me. Uh, and and all everybody else has quit. Uh, and so I'll tell you, I'd just soon be taken off the stages of here and be planted in up yonder. And God says to him, Well, Elijah, I've got 7,000 people out there and then not a one of them been a knee to bow to Baal. Not a one of them has... Uh, Pissed Baal, they have resisted, they have rejected this false God. But that brings me to some questions. Here was 7,000 that hadn't been a knee, hadn't bowed and worship or reverence to Baal, but where in the world had they been? Where had these 7,000 saints been? And just for a little bit, I want to ask you the question about these 7,000 silent saints. 7,000 shamefully silent saints. I mean, these folk had been singing about what the Lord has done for us. These preachers have been preaching about what the Lord has done for us. How in the world, if you've been under that that God poured out on you, but if you've gotten under the spout where the glory runs out, how in the world can you keep silent about what God has done for Where had these 7,000 saints been? Well, they were wanted. They were needed. What was the problem? They couldn't be found. Here was the man of God. If anybody ought to know where they are, it ought to be the man of God. But they can't be found. I'm here to tell you, I found some... Uh, sometimes that I've had some members that you can't find them with the FBI. They ain't found. How can you be faithful if you ain't found? And if you ain't found, how in the world can you have fellowship with somebody that can't be found? Here's old Elijah. He's a need somebody. But he's needs some encouragement. He's needs some support. He's needs some help. But he ain't found nobody. Seven thousand out there. Where in the world were they at? They wasn't where he was. They wasn't doing what he was doing. They couldn't be found, so they couldn't have fellowship with him. Now wait a minute. Well, and if you can't have, if he couldn't, they couldn't be found. He couldn't have fellowship with them. How 
in the world then could they follow Him and Him follow them and both of them following God to fight the good fight of faith. Where were they? Well, what had they been doing? They had been secluded. They had been sheltered in their safe haven. And then all of that, they had been silent. Nobody knew they existed. And when I thought about this, I thought about Brother Lee Fox when he got right with the Lord. The first week after he got straightened out and got back in church over at our church and he come about a week or two later and he said, you know what happened to me? He stood up and told the congregation. said, I went back to work all excited about what God had done for me. And I went to telling folk and here come a fellow I'd been working with for about three or four years. And he come up to me said, boy, I'm glad you're in church. Oh, won't you come to my church next Saturday night? We having a singing. He said, your church, you go to church. Four years he'd been working right beside him. But they'd been working together. They had all kind of conversations. But here was one of those 7,000 shamefully, shamefully silent saints. Nobody knew he existed till he found somebody like him. I'm here to tell you, we got too many silent saints in our midst. Why were they silent? Some of them are silent because they're afraid. Afraid of what people will say about them or what people will think about them. Matthew 10 and 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body and cannot kill the soul, but fear him that can destroy both soul and body in hell fire. Were they ashamed? Mark 8 and 38 says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me in this wicked and perverse generation of him will I be ashamed when I come in the glory of my Father with my holy angels. Well, were they afraid? Were they ashamed? Or were they just too actively involved in all of the wrong things, the worldly things, or the earthly things, or the temporary things? I don't want to rob these fellers, so I'm not going to cheat them. What good were they? What good is a silent saint that's secluded in their safe harbor, and they're not going to share Jesus uh, with nobody. They go unnoticed. There are people uh, that you work with and and work with some of you, but you go by virtually unnoticed uh, as a Christian. When you're unnoticed, guess what? You're unnecessary. What good are you? If nobody notices you, what you have, what God's done for you, and if you're unnoticed and unnecessary, then guess what? You're unneeded. I mean, the kingdom of God can get right along without you if you're just one of those silent saints hidden away somewhere. Listen, I'm waiting on Jesus to come too, but I want to do it out in open. Buddy, I don't want to be somewhere here 
peeping out, uh, hoping he'll hurry up and come and get me so I won't have to say nothing, uh, so nobody won't have to uh, make, uh, make me feel bad. Well, what good could they have been? They could have been an encouragement to Elijah. They could have been an example to others. And they could have been an instrument of God in this world. And so can you. And so can I. If we'll not be one of those shamefully silent saints. God bless you. Alright, if you would, come on around with a song. We've heard about uh, Daniel giving the example of what we need if we're going to have revival. We've heard about what we're going to receive at the end of the way. (laughs) If we'll just live for Jesus and love Him, uh, He's coming back for us. And then we've heard about uh, Brother Mitch sharing with us uh, about loving God, having a heart for Him. And then closed out with our silence and its shamefulness. Whatever you do, don't be silent. Our silence is almost like approval of the direction the world is going. Our silence is almost like accepting the conditions that we're living in. Our silence is a state of apathy. Just uh, me and mine is all I'm concerned about. Apathy. Unconcerned, uncaring about the condition of many souls in this world. We need to step out, speak up. See, there are so many not singing the songs of the heart, they're not sharing the story of their deliverance, and they're not shouting over the goodness of the Savior. Silent saints. What an epitaph. I wouldn't want that over my grave. He was silent. She was silent. Somebody needs you. Somebody needs to hear what God's done for you. Somebody needs to see what God means to you. As we stand this evening, have you been too silent too long? What's wrong? What's going on? A good God, a great salvation, and we're way too silent about it.
You come if you got a need tonight. It's okay. need Jesus, church. We need him. Are you saved tonight? Are you on your way to that place called heaven? If not, tonight would be the perfect time. For the day is the day of salvation. To receive Him. The Savior. Lord of your life. Maybe you've been saved. You've grown cold. Backslid on God. This is what revival's for. Get you a little closer than what you was. I tell my folks here, we'll know if we had revival or not come Sunday morning. Let's don't have just a series of meetings. Let's have revival. You still have time to come. If you're in the middle of one of those pews, just ask someone to move over. They will. Be kind. Be kind to you. How many needs Jesus tonight? Amen. Hallelujah.